Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Lucas and welcome back to Shoot the Football Fair Podcast. Podcast where we talk about sports and give my opinions and we just go through the last week of news. Starting off, I know the NHL technically ended around last week when I actually uploaded the podcast, but I didn't talk about it. So today I'm going to be starting off looking at the NHL, just looking at it a little bit. Obviously, Tampa Bay winning back-to-back championships. Congrats to them. I don't have really much to talk about it. They had a pretty easy win this year. But I do want to talk about one of the players on the team, and that is Pat Maroon. Because if you remember, he came from the Blues whenever they won the championship over to the Lightning, and now he's won two in a row. So if you really look at it, it's not anything else in the Tampa Bay Lightning except for Pat Maroon. Either way, I think Pat Maroon has done a fantastic job to get three three rings in a row. Obviously, he was never the star player on those teams. But speaking of the Blues... Kind of want to move on and talk about them. Like I said, two years removed from a championship win. They're having a great year the next year. Great chance for a repeat. Then COVID happens. They struggle once the playoffs start back up. And they never could really recover. This is a team that, like I said, they struggled in the playoffs. They come into this year still, you know, still big hopes. They go in and then they struggle some more. And as of this week, Vladimir Tarasenko requested a trade to get out of St. Louis. He's been their star wing for years now. He even graced the cover of a FIFA game. Not a fuck. Of of an NHL game, not FIFA. And now he wants out. And that just shows how fast the, the mighty have fallen. You even look at that year. It's tough to call anything a fluke, but it just feels like a fluke. Right? If you look at the year they won, they were down really bad. Like, they were the worst team in the league. Then all of a sudden, they start winning and winning and winning after a puppy comes to practice. They win the championship, and now they suck again. It really does feel like a fluke. But it just it just shows how fast a team can fall, especially a team like hockey. You know, their team hasn't really changed that much, right? Their team hasn't changed that much. But it still just is kind of struggled. And while it's great that they won a championship, St. Louis definitely deserved that. It just feels like that team's going to be gone for a while now. Like I said, I didn't have much to talk about that. I just kind of wanted to talk about the Blues and the Tarasenko trade request. And I figured I'd talk about Tampa Bay's championship real quick. So shifting over to soccer now. Obviously this weekend, Argentina won the Copa America. And I'll talk about that in a second. Italy won the Euros. And I'll talk about that one in a second. But... Another big championship, the CONCACAF Gold Cup has started, and I want to talk about the USA because the USA is part of that. Looking ahead to the next World Cup, which will be, the next FIFA World Cup is next year, and you're looking at a USA team that has a lot of young talent that's up and coming. If you want to prove to the world that you are a team that should be feared come World Cup time, you got to win the Gold Cup, right? You have to win this, and you can't just skate your way through and barely win. I obviously, I think, you know, if they can make the finals and they meet Mexico in the finals and they steam their way, they steamroll their way to the finals and maybe lose to Mexico, maybe you still did your job, but you feel like you ha- they have to be favorites here and you feel like they have to win to kind of prove something. I know a lot of their big talent like Reyna and Pulisic and all the others aren't there right now, but this is a, it still is most of the team, right? It's most of the big backbone of the team. It's not the stars, but there's still a lot of the backbone. So you feel like... Even if they don't win the entire thing, they have to play well. Like, these players have to play well if they want to be seen as people who can compete 
But yeah, I guess it won't be as worrisome if they don't come out on top. But I still feel like, again, these are a lot of the backbones to the team, even if they don't have the stars like Pulisic and McKinney, that still needs to play really well if they want to make it far in the World Cup next year. It's definitely something to watch, but obviously not something to put all your chips into if they don't come out on top. Especially if they lose to a team like Mexico, who I I haven't really checked Mexico or uh, Costa Rica. I'm not exactly sure how much players they're bringing to, but it's just something to watch for sure. Next up, the Copa America. Argentina came out on top, and this is massive because this is Messi's first major international win, which is very shocking considering he may be one of the best soccer players of all time. Even as of, what is it, today or yesterday, I think, he, I think it was today, he got a new five-year deal with Barcelona that takes a major pay cut. Obviously, he is aging so they can bring in more talent. But either way, his first major international tournament win is very shocking coming from him. I remember when I saw I remember when I saw that he hadn't won anything big a couple years back. I don't remember how long ago that was. And I was very shocked considering, like I said, you see Messi, you think, oh, he's awesome. He's won everything. Well, no, he hasn't. Internationally, this is his first real success. And I wonder if this is gonna be a if this is gonna be a big leaping pad going into the World Cup next year. Argentina definitely a team to watch out for when that comes around. They always are, though, when you have Messi. They're, they're always a team to watch out for. Next up, the Euro. Again, I don't really know who the true favorites were, but Italy came out on top. I saw them playing Austria in the round of 16, and I really didn't think this was a team that could win the entire Euros. They didn't look that great. I know in extra time they came out big, but even then, they just didn't look like a team that could come out on top in the Euros. But they did it. They came out on top. They giving up a goal early. They ended up coming back and scoring and winning an extra earned PKs, which continues England's long drought of kind of like just struggling those big tournaments. I feel like they had a team that should have won that. And I wonder how it's like, I don't know if that's going to take them in the right direction going into next year or if that's going to drop them down a little bit. So definitely something to watch out for. Again, I don't have a lot to talk about on it. I'm not super big into soccer. I just kind of wanted to mention it, obviously, this being the last week. Before we head into the next topic, I actually meant to talk about this at the top of the podcast. And this isn't sports, it's just in general and personal life, I guess. So obviously, last week was my first podcast, and this will be my second one. And I was trying to find a hosting site to put my podcast on. And I went through a couple of them. I saw you had to pay. I was like, okay, I'll do that, whatever. I have a little bit of money. And so I was like, okay, cool. But I wanted to make sure there wasn't a better one for a better price. And I looked through this website and it listed the typical, uh, the other ones, Buzzsprout, I think was one of them I looked at and a couple others. And then I got to the bottom of the page and it said, the last site, Anchor. I was like, okay, cool. I read through it and it's completely free. In the site, they even say like, that other sites get away with highway robbery for charging people to those podcasts. And the, I mean, the crazy thing is it's free. You get everything you get on the other sites. You get unlimited storage. You get unlimited, like I said, a limited amount of hours. Cause the other ones you had a limit of what you wanted to put up on there. Some of them didn't even support monetization. This one does. It has everything you can get on those other ones and even more than some of them. So, and it's, it's awesome because, like I said, if you want to start a podcast, you don't exactly want to be putting in a shit ton of money, which you have to if you want to put it up on the other sites. And let, I mean, unless you do, like, two, like because I know Buzzsprout was free up to two hours per month. But for me, when I want to do four podcasts a month, it's going to take more than that. And I, I don't have all the money in the world. And I know a lot of people that are just starting podcasts don't either. 
So if you're someone like me who wants to just randomly start a podcast, use Anchor. I, I can't stress it enough. Use Anchor. It's completely free. I had no issues with it. I've had no issues with it. I've seen no issues with it. People seem to like it. So like I said, it works. And I, I can't believe it. Because like I said, I look through all the ones. I'm like, oh, it's going to cost money. Okay, cool. And then I see Anchor and it's like, oh, it's completely th- completely free. And apparently it's no problem. I'm like, okay. But speaking of hosting, next up tonight, the Bucks host the Suns. Game four of the finals. Suns are up 2-1, obviously. And I still think Suns are going to take the series in seven. I still believe I'm still holding to that. A couple of notes coming into the series. First off, I want to talk about Giannis. He's been fantastic, right? He's been fantastic this series. And the first two games, like I think game one, he didn't play great. Game two and game three, he's been fantastic. The only difference last night is that he actually had help. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton both showed up. P.J. Tucker was huge. And that's going to be the difference in the series, obviously. It's not going to be Giannis. It's going to be the help. And Giannis has proven that he he is built for the moment. If he has a team around him, if he gets another star with him, and I don't want to say Middleton isn't a stud. Middleton is a stud. But if he were to get another star like Damian Lillard, let's say, I mean, it truly is. The, it feels like the next Kobe and Shaq. And I don't want to just say it is the next Kobe and Shaq, but like, that's genuinely something you could look at, is that Giannis has proven this postseason and this finals that he can play in the playoffs. He can dominate in the playoffs. He's, what, a week removed? Maybe a week and a half removed from almost tearing his ACL, and here he is still dominating in the finals, giving his team a chance? Like I said, if Middleton, Holiday, both go out there and do what they can... The Bucks can still easily win this series. I think the Suns are a great team. They're built for the future. And if they don't win this year, I think they're set up to win in the next two or three years, especially if Chris Paul stays to end his career. But like I said, I think Giannis, this postseason, has proven his star, his stardom. And I know, you know, he has a couple of MVPs to his name, but he, he, he has always struggled in the, in the playoffs. Every year, it feels like he had struggled in the playoffs. And this year, he's really risen above that. He's played great, and like I said, he deserves... All the praise in the world. And I just mentioned the Suns. I, like I said, they're built for the future. I think they're going to win this year. And I think they're going to win another one in the next year or two. And I think Chris Paul's going to stay. I think Chris Paul's going to finish his career on the Suns. Assuming he doesn't play like six more years, I think he's going to finish his career on the Suns and win at least one or two more championships. Like this team is built for the future. Devin Booker's just hitting his pr- prime. DeAndre Ayton has panned out fantastically. Chris Paul is leading that team. Mikael Bridges has been insane for that team. Cameron Payne and Cameron Johnson have both been fantastic role players. It, it's a team that is genuinely, it's built so well and could win the championship every year for the next four years. I mean, we're seeing a kind of Warriors team right now getting built. But they're doing it so under the radar. And I say under the radar, they're, they're in a spot they can almost win a championship. But when you saw the Warriors pop up, like, you saw this team that was like, oh my god, they're so good. And then they went 73-9, and nine, and it's like, okay, this team is for real. And Steph Curry was set up to be a star. Devin Booker is fantastic, and so is DeAndre Ayton. Neither of them are really prototypical stars in this league. And I know Devin Booker definitely can be, and Ayton can be. You know, Ayton can be Joel Embiid, and Devin Booker can be Kobe Bryant. But right now, I mean... Devin Booker wasn't better than Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. 
and I and I, I get it. Like Dalvin Mitchell had to carry a lot more with his team than Devin Booker had to, mostly because well Devin Booker's team won or it kept winning, and they didn't they didn't need him to carry. But while I think Devin Booker is a star in this, he's a stud in this league, and he's on a he's on a different level than Chris Middleton. I wouldn't call him a star, not yet. But that just shows how well this team is built. Devin Booker can struggle. The Suns can still win against any team in the league. If Giannis struggles, Bucks aren't winning many games. When Giannis struggles, we saw it last year against the Heat. When the Giannis struggles, they don't play very well. Now, when he's not in the game, they can try to game plan. You saw Brooke Lopez was a stud. Chris Middleton was a stud. So when he's not in the game, they can game plan. But when he actually struggles, they aren't that good of a team. But you can't say that about the Suns. Whether it's Aiton, Booker, Chris Paul, if one of those three struggle, the team can still rally around and win a game against anyone in the league. Like I said, Suns, probably the best built team in the league. And it's showing right now. Is they're, they're, they're set to have a chance, have a really good chance to win the, the championship. This upcoming week, like I said, they could win it this week. They could win the next two games. I think it'll go seven, but it's definitely interesting. Shifting over into some off-season talk. There's been a lot of rumors, and I'm going to cover a couple of them. First one being Colin Sexton. The reason I want to cover this is because I'm not sure what the Cavs are thinking. They have a scoring machine on their hands. He has been a great player, and you want to trade him? Which doesn't really make sense to me. The Cavs don't have a lot of great players on their team. But Colin Sexton's one that could be very great. And I don't really know why why they're so intent on trading him. It doesn't really make sense to me. And I'm trying to understand their logic here. Because looking at some of the trade packages that they've been offered, it doesn't feel like they're going to get a lot unless they get Ben Simmons. But then why trade Colin Sexton when the reason you don't want him is because you don't want to pay him? Either way, the teams that have been linked to him are the Heat, Pacers, Knicks, and obviously the Sixers. And I think Celtics have also expressed a little bit of interest in him. Now, to start off, a team like the Pacers, there's no fit. It's a team that needs to get better on defense, that already has a couple of 1-2 guards that are already better than Sexton. So, like I said, that fit right there, there isn't really a fit. I don't I don't think they're going to end up getting Sexton, unless it's for super cheap which I feel like is what the Pacers have really looked at, maybe getting him for cheap. Because, I mean, you're not going to turn down Sexton for cheap, but it's tough to make a move for him, especially when you already have Brogdon and Levert, which you wouldn't trade to either one of those except you want, unless you want to get better. And I actually have an idea about that for just one second, though. Moving on to the other teams, the Heat, I think that's a fantastic fit. I think they need a score. Their defense can uphold if you bring them in. I think that's a, that's a match made in heaven. Now, what they're going to have to offer, I mean, you give a Paro, Hero, whatever his name is, maybe another player, maybe a pick, I think it's a fantastic trade. You're looking at, like I said, a scorer who's going to help that team tremendously. I think if you're the Heat and you have a chance to make that move for him, you go do it. It might be. You just go do it. I think that's a solid pickup for them. Move over to the Knicks. I don't know if there's anyone on that team that the Cavs would take. That would be worth it for the Knicks, right? I don't really know a package that would make sense unless they take Kevin Knox and a pick. Maybe Kevin Knox and... I'm trying to think of... Frank Neal Kina? I, I don't know. It 
it, I don't know if there's really a package that makes sense that the Cavs would take and that would be worthwhile for the Knicks at the end of the day. But I definitely think if the Knicks can make a move that doesn't give up too much, it's definitely, again, a player that could definitely add to that team. Finally, the Sixers, it's the same thing with the Knicks. I don't think they have enough to make that trade that makes sense. Again, you could look at moving Ben Simmons, but I feel like that's just a downgrade because your defense will get so bad. It just it doesn't really make sense. I don't think the Cavs would take Tobias Harris in that contract. Like I said, I'm not really sure if there's really anything that Sixers can give up that the Cavs would even take. Next thing, I want to talk about the Sixers a little bit too. Talk about the Ben Simmons drama, just a little bit off the top of my head. So, reportedly, and I don't everything that I've seen indicates that this isn't true. But Ben Simmons was reportedly or the Pacers tried to get Ben Simmons reportedly for Malcolm Brogdon and a first round pick. I assume a future first round pick. I'm thinking not this year's. And let's just assume this is true for a second. The Sixers have said that they're openly looking to trade him for an all-star caliber player. And I saw something that said maybe Lowry, and I don't know if they're trying to get Lowry and keep Ben Simmons, or if they're trying to trade trade for Lowry with Ben Simmons. I don't know if they're trying to trade Lowry for Simmons, or Simmons for Lowry, I guess is how I should phrase that. If they try to get Lowry and keep Simmons, I think it's a great move. But if they're trying to trade Simmons for Lowry, and, and they turn down Brogdon in a pick, what are you doing? Now, don't be wrong. Kyle Lowry is a great player. And I think he will help that team tremendously if Ben Simmons stays. If they have, I don't think they have enough to pay him, though. But that's the biggest issue, but we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> we'll just skip past that for a moment. But you're looking at Brogdon, who is younger has more contract, can help your team for a longer amount of time. I say more contract, but you know what I mean. He's more years that he's going to be good. He's a better defender. He He's an all-star caliber player. So they said they wanted an all-star caliber player that fits their team. Well, Malcolm Brogdon is an all-star caliber player who will fit that team. And apparently they turned it down. Now, in my opinion, I like I said, everything I've seen from the Pacers side indicates that this isn't true. And... It would make sense for the Sixers to make this up to try to get someone on level or better than Malcolm Brogdon. Or maybe manufactured a little bit. Maybe it was a trade that was offered in the midseason or something. I don't know, but it's very interesting that they're wanting this player. Brogdon would be that player, and apparently they turned it down. Looking at looking at Ben Simmons in general, recent C-Bias has really killed his trade value. Or at least with fans. Because... People see Simmons, they just assume he can't score, and he sucks. But this is a dude who's a stud defender, can score, can pass, and if he goes to a team like Indiana, who has been well known for getting mo- like to getting the most out of players, and if he can get a jump shot, which it feels like he should be able to, there's no reason he can't be a stud in this league. He can't. There's no reason he can't be a star in this league. Especially for a team like the Pacers, you can get him for Brogdon. I would say it's a great move. I think Rick Carlisle is going to do great with this team. And I know, in my opinion, I think their ceiling with this team is a conference finals exit. But again, I think that's the ceiling. I don't think they can make a championship. And I think most realistically, they're probably a tough second round exit. I think they're a first-round seven-game series and a tough second-round exit, realistically. 
even with this roster. If you get Ben Simmons and you get the most out of Ben Simmons, I don't want to say this team is a champion, championship contender just yet, but I think that definitely gives them a shot. I think that would make their ceiling a championship contender. It just dep- Like I said, it's going to depend on what you can get out of them. But again, how do you pass that up? How do you pass up the chance to get a star? But again, I don't know if that's what the Pacers want to do. I'm still not sure what their overall plans are this year. Maybe they're waiting to see if Damian Lillard wants out. Speaking of Damian Lillard, let's talk about him for a minute. Now, from what I'm seeing, and what I think everyone's saying, I don't think he's asked for a trade. I know that reports came out last month or something that he asked for a trade. I don't think he has. I don't think he wants out. I don't think he's going to get traded this offseason. I think he's going to be a blazer this next season at the very least. And if they struggle, maybe he wants out. But I think, like I said, I think he's a blazer this year. But let's say he does get traded. Right? And again, I don't think he will, but let's say he does. What team do you think has the best chance of getting him? What what team do you think can offer the best package? I've seen Pelicans plenty of times. I've seen Celtics. I've seen Knicks. Because, of course, the Knicks. But all, they do have some interesting pieces. I've seen the Sixers. I've even... I've seen the Warriors. I've seen... I've even seen the Wizards a couple of times. I've seen the Cavs. But the Cavs actually aren't interesting because they have so many pieces there. I wonder if they could swing one. I don't know if they would. Right? And I think I've seen a couple... <laughs> I think I've seen a couple others that don't really make sense. But there's one team I haven't seen. And obviously I haven't seen them because no one cares about this team. But I genuinely think when you come to teams with the mo- the best pieces to trade that, co- that could and would trade for Damian Lillard, I think this team has probably the best fit for him. If not the best fit, maybe second behind the Pelicans. Because with the Pelicans, you can get Brandon Ingram, who has the potential to definitely be a superstar in this league. And... It would be tough to pass that up, especially because you're you're not just going to be getting Brandon Ingram. You're going to be getting some picks. You're going to be getting probably another young player. So I think, in all honesty, I think the Pelicans have a really good shot because they have a lot of key pieces. But I think the next best team to really look at are the Indiana Pacers. Because you, you look at teams like the Sixers, you can get Ben Simmons, but you're just going to be getting Ben Simmons probably. You're looking at the Celtics... Celtics are interesting. They You could get Jalen Brown, but would the Celtics be willing to go up Jalen Brown plus some? And again, you're looking at the rest of the teams. Are they even going to be willing to make a deal like this? Would they want to? So, you look at the Pacers. They have so many key pieces that they could give up that could help the Sixers still play well now and still get some potential for the future. Again, I think Pelican, Pelicans probably are number one in my list. Number two of the Pacers, and here's why. You're looking at potential of giving up getting either Sabonis or Turner, Brogdon or Levert, a young guard, probably Aaron Holiday, and two first-round picks. Now, this is just what the Pacers can offer. It's what I think they should offer. And I know the Pacers have been notorious for not paying a lot of money to players. This could be a similar situation where they don't want to pay Damian Miller's contract. But again, if you want to win a championship, you got to make this deal. So let's pretend money is out the window. And they are willing to make this move. The ideal package, in my opinion, is Sabonis, Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, and two first-round picks. Like I said, that's better You can get better than anything you can get from the Celtics, the Sixers, the Knicks. 
<laughs> the Cavs and the Wizards. Like, this is so much more than what you can get from any other team. Because you're getting a current, very, very close to a star in Sabonis, who the only big knock on him is that he can't really play defense. Again, that's something you can possibly teach him. Brogdon, who the only issue, knock with him is injuries, really. Those are two players that can help you win now. Even in the West, they can help you win now. Aaron Holiday's got a lot of potential for the future if you give him a chance. He's struggled in Indiana, but I feel like if given the shot, he can play very well. And you're also getting two first-round picks, assuming one for this year. This year's 13th. That kind of haul is not something you're going to get from many other teams. And if you're looking at the Pacers, you need to make a move like this. You're getting... Because if they make this move, this is a team that... That team right there is instantly championship contenders. Because you still have a great defense, or assuming Carlisle does his thing, you still have a great, still have a defensive player of the year candidate, Miles Turner, down low, setting up the defense. I know TJ Warren at the four is very a, po- a very popular idea. You can either bring in Justin Holiday to play the three, Doug McDermott, or maybe you can bring in someone from the outside. O'Shea Brissett could play four if you want him to. You still have Karis LeVert. You, you now have Damian Lillard. Off the bench, you still have Sumner. You either have... Brissett, Justin Holiday, or Doug McDermott. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully they still bring in Doug McDermott, and TJ McConnell to play the bench. You still have Sumner, O'Shea Brissett, and Goga. You have ten players right there, a ten player, ten man roster that is potentially one of the best in the league. It's not the best in the league, I should say, but it is potentially and arguably a top five roster in the NBA. And if you're the Blazers, you still you now have Brogdon, you still have CJ McCollum. Now the biggest issue here is. Do they want to bring in someone like Sabonis when they have Nurkic? I don't know. That Again, there are some issues with the team with making that move. But again, I just feel like that's better than what they can get unless they really want Brandon Ingram, right? And some picks. Because I know, like, the Pelicans, they can throw out Brandon Ingram. They can throw out a Jackson Hayes. They can throw out another young player. Anyway, I mean, they have so many young players on that team. Josh Hart is another one they could throw out there. They have some veterans there that they can make a move for. Um, and they obviously they have a boatload of picks that they got from the Lakers, and they have their own that they could give the Trailblazers for Damian Lillard. So like I said, I think Pelicans probably have the best odds, but I think a team to watch out for are the Pacers. If they're willing and ready to make that move, I think the Blazers should be looking at them as a potential option to move Damian Lillard to. Again, at the end of the day, I don't think Damian Lillard gets traded this offseason. I think he stays. I think he plays with the Trailblazers. I don't know if he plays with them the rest of his career, but I think he still plays with them. Next thing I want to talk about is potentially the third best coach in college football. And I definitely think there's an argument to be made there. And the guy I'm talking about right now is Tom Allen for IU. And now there's arguments to be made that he's not the best coach, not number three, but I would say he's definitely the best coach in the Big Ten. Genuinely speaking, I think he's the best coach in the Big Ten. And just look what he's done at IU. The last two years they've been in bowl games. They have a 14-7 and record. They almost beat Ohio. They were the closest team to beating Ohio State last year. They prob- they definitely beat Ole Miss with a healthy quarterback, backup or otherwise, right? If, if Pennix is healthy, I think they easily win that bowl game. If Tuttle is healthy, I think they still win the bowl game because he wasn't even healthy. He was injured while playing. So they were really close to beating, what, Tennessee? I think, yeah, Tennessee a couple years back. And now they're... 2022 class is a top 20 class in college football, the recruiting class. This is coming from IU, remind you. A 
college football program that has consistently been a bottom dweller in the Big Ten East. The Big Ten East, which may be the best division in all of college football. And if they aren't the best, they're at least the second best. The Big Ten East with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, now Indiana, potentially is the best division in all of college football. And he's built up a team in that division. The last two years, he's 14-7 and in that division. And they missed three out-of-conference games last year. So he's 14-7 in that division, almost solely in that division, with a bunch of three-star recruits and less, which he's now raised this year to a bunch of four-stars. It just seems like every day he's getting another four-star, which is not normal for IU. I remember opening up NCAA 14 when I was probably about 16 or 17 when I first played that game. And I I instantly went to IU because IU was kind of the school I kind of figured I'd go to and I do currently go to. And I went to their school and they were a two-star rank 80 overall or something. Maybe an 82 or 83. And I felt like every year I would just do another IU team. But now if you get CFB revamped, college football revamped, which is a great mod by the way. I highly, highly recommend it if you can get that. Um, In fact, I have a series that I just started on my YouTube channel. Go check it out. But if you get, you know, the college football revamped, you get the updated rosters. I use a four-star school with like a 91 overall. That's not normal. You know, that is not something that people have seen out of IU over the last couple of generations. And what he's done is unheard of. And he has the potential. If he were, if he is to win a championship at IU, he has the, the potential to be recognized as one of the greatest coaches of all time. And if Nick Saban ever retires or dies, he has the potential to be the best coach in all of college football. Now, don't get me wrong. He will never be better than Nick Saban. He probably won't ever be better than Dabo Sweeney. But after those two... He has the potential to be better than anyone else. He has the potential to be... He is arguably already better than everybody else. Now, obviously, he's got to prove to be able to keep this up as years go on. And when turnover happens, he has to prove that he can still keep those recruits coming in. But if he can do that, I think there's no reason he can't be on the same level as Dabo Sweeney in the future. In the near future. But with the potential for the college football playoff to expand to 12 teams... I feel like IU could be a continual invitee to this tournament. And if they can become that, there's no reason they can't win a championship one of these years. Now, I mean, they got a long way. They still have to beat they still have to beat in Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. But remember, they were the second closest team to being Ohio State this year. And I know Alabama blew them out in the championship, but other than Alabama, they were closer than Clemson. They were closer than Michigan. They were closer than Northwestern. They were closer than anyone else who played Ohio State this year. Other than Alabama, which I meant to mention earlier. If you look at it that way, you could consider them the third best team in college football. Maybe fourth. Notre Dame did, I want to say decently against Alabama, but like, not that decently. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, they're they're the fourth best team in college football, if you look at it that way. With a healthy quarterback, obviously. So... It's just something to look out for in the future. I think they're going to be really good this year. I don't th- I don't know if they're going to win the Big Ten, but they're going to be really good. And I think 
people are listing Penix as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, or in the in college football, if not the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So could be a very very good year for IU, and I think Tom Allen, like I said, is a top coach in college football right now. And they just signed to like a seven year deal. Finally, moving on to the MLB. Obviously, very sad news. Ronald Acuna tore his ACL this weekend. Very, very upsetting. Really one of the faces of the MLB. One of the great faces. And it's sad to see. It is so upsetting to see. Hopefully he comes up, comes back next year and plays just as well, if not better. He's a guy with such a bright future in this league. And it just continues an abysmal season for the Braves when it comes to injuries. They have just been injury after injury after injury. And it just it will not stop. It truly will not stop. Next up, All-Star Game was played this weekend. Nothing that exciting except Vlad Vladimir Vlad Jr. hit an absolute bomb. Like 468 was a home run derby-esque bomb right there. It was insane. And speaking of baseball, Stephen A. Smith, what a couple of days for that guy. Let me tell you, I don't know what kind of went wrong with him because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Stephen A. Smith, he's done some weird things, some crazy things, some ill-advised things, but this is just another level. And it was two things in one day. First off, Shohei Otani, what he said about him, I genuinely think it was just another one of those cases of where he wasn't prepared enough. One time he said something about Hunter Henry when he was injured for the year, um, and he's done this multiple times, where he said something that wasn't true because he just didn't research enough, and in this case, he said Shohei Otani needs an interpreter, and that's not good for the league, or him, I'm not sure, but either way, first off, that's not true, he doesn't need one, kind of like Ichiro, he uses one to make things easier, but he doesn't need one, so first off, not true, second off, it doesn't affect how he plays on the field. It doesn't affect how people see him. And it's not that big of a deal. And I'm not one to just accuse someone of xenophobia or whatever, or racism, right off the bat over something like that. Especially over something that could be interpreted a different way. Like, it's not easy, it's not as easy for Shohai as it would be for, like, my trout. You know what I'm saying? But either way, no matter how you look at it, it's just a shit take. Because at the end of the day, what he's doing on the baseball field is so insane and unheard of and unseen from anyone who's alive right now that it doesn't matter. He could he could not be able to speak. He could be a mute. People would not care, right? People would not care. They would still see him the same way as an insane superstar in the MLB. So for that one, again, awful take no matter how you look at it. Second off, then he talked about Nigeria, and this one kind of confuses me. It irked me when I saw people, you know, from Nigeria or people with these types of names talk about it. Because these names have meanings, like really, really important meanings. And Stephen A. kind of glossed over that, right? And again, that was, this one I could definitely see is just a mistake, a stupid mistake in which he was just trying to demean the USA basketball team, but he definitely did that in the in a bad way. I kind of cringed when I first saw it. I was like, that's probably not a good joke, especially for someone on ESPN. But either way, again, he did a 
it was weird and kind of just one last notice kind of uh, hurts the crowd that thought if Rachel Nichols was black, she would have been fired because, and again, I don't think it has anything to do with race or gender or anything. I think it has something to do with money, what kind of money they bring in. You look at someone like Rachel Nichols, seems like she's a fine reporter, but she doesn't bring in as much money as Stephen A. Smith does. Not even a little bit. And that's why Stephen A. Smith hasn't lost a show, isn't fired, but it also shows that, well, Rachel Nichols also wouldn't have been fired if she was black. So, just something to look at. Again, I've said this multiple times, maybe not on this show or on this podcast, but to other people in my life, it's about money. Right, it's about money. It's not about race or gender, sexual orientation. It's about money, and what kind of money you bring in. So, but piggybacking that off that a little bit, MLB Communications or the MLB PR or whatever they call themselves posted a picture on Twitter, kind of in response to what Stephen A. said, but just in general. And I kind of wanted to look at it. So they are comparing numbers from last year's MLB viewing ratings to this year. Now. Obviously, to note, it's tough to compare stuff from last year because last year was such an odd year, right? But there are a couple numbers I want to note. MLB has, you know, historically been a dying league. It's been sad to see, and there's always going to be a fandom for it. I love baseball. I love sitting down and watching a baseball game of any kind, of any team, especially in the playoffs. But there, But a lot of people aren't as into it because of the way it's run, not the way it's run, but just the ending formats and stuff like that. You look at MLB TV in 2021, it is the most watched first half in the history of the MLB on MLB TV, or in the history of MLB TV, which I'd say it's pretty impressive. You know, that's showing that it is on its way up. You have the top 10 most watched days ever, you have the top four most watched games ever, and you look at numbers from national television from last year to this year. ESPN Saturday Night Baseball is up 26%. Fox Saturday Saturday Baseball is up 32%. TBS up 49%. FS1 up 78%. And MLB Network is up 34%. Again, it's tough to compare to last year. I get that. And it's going to, going to be important to see how it takes off from this year. Right? How is it going to do next year compared to this year? I think that's going to be really important. So I don't want to make any jumps in logic yet. But... It is very encouraging for a sport like baseball that has had trouble keeping viewership as years going on. Especially in that key range. You know, of people who are growing up from like 18 to 49, it's tough to... They've been having trouble keeping the younger generation watching games. So this is very encouraging. And we'll, like I said, we'll see how that works next year, see how it goes into next year. So, And I think one last thing I kind of want to note about that compared to the NBA. The reason why I think MLB has a better chance right now of being a bigger sport than the NBA, than the NBA has a chance of being a bigger sport than the MLB in the future, in the next couple of years, it's not because of politics, because obviously the NBA has hardened the politics, but so is, see, like, so is the NFL. That's why I don't think it really matters that much, because people are still going to watch sports. I know some people will stop watching. I haven't watched as much NBA just because. I've just kind of lost interest. Not because of politics, for me personally. And you look at the NFL, that is kind of going hard into politics last year, and especially going into this year. It really doesn't matter if the sport's good enough. What it comes down to, in my opinion, is the way they treat their stars. 
The MLB still has some old stars. Nelson Cruz. Mike Trout. Older. Bryce Harper is getting up there. You know, those, those are the stars. DeGrom, Max Serger, all stars, right? But they don't just focus on those stars. You look at the NBA Finals. People have been saying that, oh, there's not any big stars in the Finals. You know, I know Giannis is in there, but it's like, oh, Giannis plays with the Bucks. Boo. There's no big stars, really. There's no KD, no Steph, no LeBron. Who cares? You have DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, two up-and-coming studs. You still have Chris Paul. You have Giannis, Chris Middleton, a lot of great players, great organizations. EMLB, you aren't gonna you aren't gonna see that. And I just talked about Acuna and Vlad Jr. These are two of the biggest and Shohei, three of the biggest stars in the MLB, and they are being covered like it. The issue with the NBA, Donovan Mitchell was an MVP MVP level this year before he got hurt. He wasn't covered like one. You look at Shohei, oh he's being covered like one. Acuna, he was being covered like one. They didn't just cover the studs. If Mike Trout was healthy, they wouldn't have just covered Mike Trout as the MVP. They wouldn't have just covered DeGrom. They are going to cover all of the good stud players in the league. They don't just cover Nolan Arenado. In fact, they don't really cover him that much at all. But this team isn't as good. You have a team like Shohei, who the Angels, they aren't that good, and they still need pitching to the wazoo, and the Angels still suck in his organization. But Shohei has single-handedly really carried that team and Jared Walsh to being a good team. They are above above 500 team right now. Like I said, Vod Jr., MVP, MVP candidate, treated as such. You don't really see that in the NBA. And I think the MLB does a fantastic job at that. And going into the future, I think the MLB has a better chance of being a better and more watched sports league than the NBA. Once players like LeBron and KD and James Harden and Kyrie, all they all retire, what are they going to do? Because they haven't really brought up these young stars. They've done Jason Tatum, but that's really about it. They haven't talked about Donovan Mitchell enough. They haven't talked about Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton enough. They haven't showcased all these young stars enough. And that is a big issue on why their league is dropping. You can only watch so much LeBron without, with getting, without getting tired. Especially whenever a team like the Lakers, they were the 7th seed this year. The 7th seed. The two top seeds in the West were the Jazz... Donovan Mitchell led, and the Suns, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton led, with CP3 obviously there too, but if the NBA wants to get back, they have to They have to market these young stars better. They just have to. They sh- You shouldn't have to leave a small market to be marketed as an MVP. Donovan Mitchell probably won't be looked at as an MVP candidate, even if he has the numbers. Even if this team is number one seed, they were this year. Like, that's the issue, and that's an issue that the MLB doesn't have. And you also you look at the MLB, you have parity, Different teams winning every year, I know. But the Dodgers, with all this star power, just won their first World Series last year. With this team. They just won it this year. And they could be set up where they aren't even the best team. They could be the third best team in their division this year. The third best. They may not be the best team in the AL or the NL. They may not win the NL this year. Like I said, parity is huge in the MLB, and it's great to see, so... Like I said, I think the MLB is on better track than the NBA to just get to a better spot. I'm probably going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I kind of went through everything I wanted to. If you guys did enjoy, please leave a like. Follow the podcast if you want to see more so you know when I upload next. And if you get, and until next time, this is Lucas signing off from Shooting the Football Fair podcast, and I'll see you guys next time.